Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. Uh, So as Jared said, last week we began a series on uh, faith, hope and love. And this comes from the scripture 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 13, which is a well-known scripture where it says, Now these three remain, faith, hope and love, but the greatest of these is love. Now it's a very well-known scripture, often found on Christian fridge magnets, toilet door calendars and family portraits. And, uh, but, and we looked at the context in which Paul wrote this. Uh, and so we looked at the chapter of 1 Corinthians 13. And for me, it's split into four parts. And the first part, Paul speaks about the importance of love. And basically, he says, there is nothing in this earth that you can possess that is of any value if it's not welded and merged with the love of God. This whole verse, he's speaking about the love of Christ. In the first part, the first four verses, he speaks of the, the, the lack of value of anything outside of the love of Christ. And then he goes on to describe what love is. Many of us will have heard, but love is patient, love is kind, and so on. He describes what love is. And then for many of us, he goes off on a bit of a tangent that we don't understand. And then he says that really nice verse. But that tangent that he goes off on, I believe he's describing to us a whole lot of temporary and partial realities that we are currently living in. He's, he's saying how we, for now we prophesy in part, for now we, uh, we understand in part, but when fullness returns, what is in part will be done away with. And so what he's describing there is when Jesus returns, what is in part and what is temporary is going to be done away with and what really matters will remain. And then he tags on that verse, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And that word remain is the Greek word meno, which means to remain in state, to remain in place, and to remain in time. So it means to remain in state, so it's not going to change what it is. It's, it's, it is what it is, and it's not going to change. It remains in place. It's always going to be there. It's, not going to, it's always going to be available, and it's always going to be present, and it, it's remaining in time. It's never going to perish. So Paul says, love is so important that you don't want to have anything without it. He describes what love is. He says, here's a bunch of temporary realities that we, ha- we have around us right now. But when the fullness returns, when Jesus returns, all that's going to be done away with. But these three, they will remain. They will carry on. That when the fullness, when the fullness returns, Jesus comes back, we go to heaven. The faith, hope, and love we experience in heaven is the same faith, hope, and love that we're invited to partner with right here and right now. And now this is very much the core of what this even series is about, is what Jesus, it was the main message he preached. He got baptized in the River Jordan. He went in the desert, tempted by the devil, and then he came out of the desert. And it says, from this time onwards, Jesus went around preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent means to change the way you think. The kingdom of heaven is within reach. And this whole three-week series is my desire is that we would each realize that heaven is a lot closer than we think. And that we would be willing to reach out and partner with it. And what I believe Paul was revealing to us was these three substances that are that are in heaven right now, we have access to the exact same things on earth right here, right now. And that's important because he commissioned us in Matthew 6.10 to pray that it would be on earth as it is in heaven, that the things happening around us in our lives would reflect what is happening in, he- in heaven right now. And that's the invitation we have to partner with the things of heaven. So anytime I see something expressed that is in heaven that we get to partner with right now, my eyes open because I understand my purpose is within that. 
My purpose is within the things of heaven. And so we looked at the topic of faith last week, and faith, by my definition, is faith in God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and does anyone remember the catch line last week of what, what happens when you partner with faith? Webby, I'm looking at you. It's all right. I know you do. I know you're just pretending. But um, uh, it's, it's when you partner with faith, your life is redeemed and your story is rewritten. When you partner with faith, your life is redeemed and your story is rewritten. And I shared a bit about my journey and how I didn't know God until I was 21. But when I made the decision to partner with His faith, with faith in God, that my whole life was redeemed and my story has been rewritten. We also shared briefly about Catherine who shared the week before that she, well, when she was a young woman, one of her friends passed away uh, from a cancer and it really shook her life up and her community up that, 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 that she understood in that moment how temporary this life is, how partial this life is. And she didn't want to live a life in which she could turn around and know that she didn't influence the things of eternity. She wanted her life to count for something. And so she made a decision as a young woman to partner with faith as a lifestyle. And so her life was redeemed and her story has been rewritten. And last of all, we looked at the person Sarah, Abraham's wife in the Bible. And she was recorded in uh, Genesis 18:12 is laughing at God when he said to her in a year's time you're going to have a kid in a year's time you're going to have a kid now she was 90 so there is a reason for it but she laughed at God she didn't believe him and that's a very unfaithful moment for her but fast forward to Hebrews 11:11 11, 11, which is chapter 11 in Hebrews is the chapter of people who were known for their faith. And it says, Now Sarah, in faith, though she was past childbearing age, was enabled to have a child because she considered him faithful. That she decided to partner with faith even at age 90 and her entire life was redeemed and her story was rewritten. But for tonight, we are going to speak about hope. And hope, for me, is one of the most wildly and audacious gifts that God has given us. That there's been few things in my journey and my relationship with God that has affected my life quite as much as the revelation and understanding of what hope is and how it can affect my world. That I used to think, like many people, that hope was merely an encouraging word that you put into comments to try and make people feel a bit better in a moment. But I'd come to understand that hope is so much better than that and so much more than that. And I want to read a brief excerpt from uh, a book me and my friend wrote a few years ago called How Good Can It Get? And it says, unlike ever before, hope has been one of the core foundations upon which God has been transforming our lives more than ever before. We have come to know hope not only as a good gesture put into encouraging comments, quote, I hope your day goes well, quote. Instead, we have come to understand the supernatural creative force that true biblical hope is. It is the ability to turn nothing into something. It is the ability to turn something of no value into something of high value. Hope generates and creates new realities in the lives of people all around the world, and it has the power to do the same for you. My desire tonight is that there would be an adjustment in all of our lives, including mine, and how we perceive hope, that we wouldn't see it as just like a, a nice thing we throw in an encouraging comment, but we would perceive it for the substance that it is. We'd perceive it for the reality of heaven that it is. And, and these three things, faith, hope, and love, they are all substances. Like, like in the same way that, that food or water, when you eat food or drink water, it affects you physically, 
It affects you emotionally more than more for others. It affects you mentally and affects you spiritually. In the same way, faith, hope, and love are the, the tangible substances that when you come into contact with hope, it actually affects you. It actually affects your mind. It affects your body. It affects your posture. It affects your emotion, and it affects your life. Faith, hope, and love, these are substances that we're invited to partner with. Everyone here knows what it's like to be in a, a discouraging moment in your life where you're just really down because maybe you asked someone out and they said no. Or maybe you applied for a job and it didn't go the way you wanted or a friend let you down or disappointed you or a family member or you're abused and, you, and you're feeling the weight of disappointment, the weight of hopelessness. And then you, you go to church and you choose for, for whatever reason to raise your hands in worship, to engage with the Holy Spirit. Or maybe someone prophesies over you or maybe someone just gives you a phone call and asks you, how are you doing? Doing. And in that moment, there's a bit of hope that enters your world. There's a bit of hope that enters your world and it shifts things. You begin, to, you begin to rise up. It affects you physically, it affects you emotionally, and it affects you spiritually. Hope is a substance that we're invited to partner with. And Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 63, as he was speaking to his disciples, he said, My words to you are spirit and they are life. My words to you are spirit and they are life. Jesus was saying to them, I'm not just speaking words that I want your ears to hear, but I'm actually speaking something of substance into the world around you that you're invited to partner with. That there is spirit and there is life on my words and you're invited to partner with that. Now that's very much in line with his message of change the way you think. The kingdom of heaven is closer than you think. And as he spoke words of life, as he spoke words of the Holy Spirit, he would invite invite people into a great, greater reality of heaven. And that's what I believe Paul was trying to do in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, by saying, hey, these three things, these three things are going to carry on with us, faith, hope, and love. And if we decide to partner with them in this lifetime, then we will usher in those things of heaven into our families, our communities, and our lives. One of the most... Uh, definitive moments of seeing hope affect someone was when I was uh, in church and a woman came in for prayer and she came up to us and she was uh, looking as hopeless as someone could, you know, like shoulders down, head, like she didn't even look at us in the eyes when she spoke to us. And she was just carrying so much hopelessness and she was sharing about how her life was so bad and how her son was suicidal, all really valid points. But I just really felt this thing of like, ah, like her biggest problem is, is her hopelessness about her problem. That her biggest problem isn't actually her problem, but it's her hopelessness about her problem. And so I felt to just uh, pray that the Holy Spirit would lift that, uh, that um, unrealistic and inappropriate expectation that she had put on herself to carry the weight of her problems, and then I released hope over her life. And within a minute of praying, she was jumping up and down, clapping and shouting. She went from one of the most depressed people I've seen in real life to jumping up and down, shouting and clapping. That hope came into her life. It invaded her body. It shifted the way she thought. It affected her emotions. It affected her spiritually, and it affected her, her physically. That hope is a substance, and tonight I'm inviting you to partner with that substance of heaven in your life and in the lives of those around you. I invite you into a lifestyle of partnering with the substance of hope and living for the things of eternal value. 
My desire is that there would be a shift specifically in your ability to see and understand how hope affects your life and the lives of those around you, that you would know its supernatural creative force that hope is, that it is the ability to turn nothing into something. It is the ability to turn the most hopeless situation with no options into the most abundant situation. And the hope I'm speaking about is unashamedly found in the person Jesus. John 3:16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever should believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son in the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And so my hope is, is firmly found in him, and that's the hope I'm speaking about tonight. And I love that song, Cornerstone, that we sung last. And the lyrics uh, say, a hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. So in other words, he's saying anything less than Jesus is a lesser foundation to build on. Their finances can be a nice foundation for a season, but it can be ripped out from underneath you. And the only foundation that can't is the person Jesus. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame but holy trust in Jesus' name. I didn't understand that verse for a long time. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. But uh, who here understands when you, when you, the frame, like a picture frame, when you frame something, you don't frame it and then put it in the cupboard, do you? Unless it's your nana's one that she left lying around. You don't frame something and put it in the cupboard. You frame something and then you put it on display. It's about attention, and we should never, ever underestimate our humanity's unintentional desire and value for attention. But the verse says, I dare not trust the sweetest frame. I dare not trust the most attractive thing that can meet my need for attention. But I'll wholly trust in Jesus' name. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and His righteousness. I say that because many people have gotten excited about living a life of hope. They've seen its ability to affect their lives, its ability to define people's lives, and they've got excited to partner with it and see it manifest in their lives and affect their family for good and affect their business for good and their friendships for good. But uh, if, if your hope is not firmly founded on the person of Jesus, it will come out. And many of, us, many of us will know someone who, who's been in a relationship with God and they've been on fire for Him at some level and they've been full of hope, but then in another season, uh, they're not quite in that same relationship. They've sort of walked away from their community, walked away from relationship with God at some level. And at that point, they are exposed that their foundation, their hope was not actually firmly founded in Jesus, but it was founded in maybe the relationship they were in that finished or even the marriage they're in the business they had, their, their, their finances they had in the bank before they disappeared. But in that moment, they exposed that when that thing was swept out from underneath them, that relationship, that promise, that leadership position, and they walked away from God in that moment, they actually revealed that their hope was found in that role or that relationship as opposed to Jesus. Matthew 7.24 illustrates the very common proverb principle Analogy, analogy, <laughs> parable, uh, which basically speaks about building our lives on Jesus, that we would, he is the rock and we're called to build our lives in him. And if we build our lives in him, we can handle the storms. If we build our lives on anything else, we're building it on sand. 
And I want you to consider that this is primarily about where you place your hope. And because you will build your life on whatever you have the most hope in. If you have the most hope in your financial situation, then that is what you are building your life on. If you have the most hope in your marital status or your family, that you have a really awesome family and they're really great, if most of your hope is in that, then that exposes where you're building your life because your life is built on what you have your hope in. And the question for everyone here tonight is if every circumstance in your life, your relationships, your financial situations, your social status, your health, if every circumstance in your life blew the opposite direction to that which you hoped or expected, would you walk away from Jesus? That if every single circumstance in your life blew the opposite way that you desired, that everything fell over around you, would you remain present in your relationship? Would there still be a desire in you to do relationship with God? Because the answer to that will expose what you're building your life on. The answer to that will expose where you have placed your hope. If you know your hope is not found in Him, then I invite you tonight to place your hope in Him and to partner with the life-changing substance of hope. All right, we had trouble with the printer here, so missing a few things. But can we please, uh, we're just going to show a wee movie, part of a movie. I uh, don't watch movies often for a reason, but um, this is one of the Hunger Games movies. I don't know which one it is. I don't care. I didn't like it, and there we go again. But um, there was this one clip which just really fascinated me. And uh, the basic synopsis, I could be wrong, but it doesn't matter anyway because the general gist is correct. But um, basically there's like 12 districts and uh, every now and then they gather two people from each of those 12 districts and they come together and they, it's like a fight to the death. And there's one district that's sort of in control of all the other districts. And these two fellas here, the older one, I think he's like the head honcho of the, the main district who sort of like controls everything. And then the younger guy with the funny facial hair, I think he sort of oversees the, the Hunger Games specifically. And the old guy is sharing a bit of wisdom on, on why, why they do what they do and, and how they, how they can, can, can control the situation and control the other 11 districts. And so the, the other 11 districts in the movie there, they, they're effectively controlled by this, this one main district. And their challenge was to step out of that control and that, uh, that oppression. And for, for many of us, that's a similar journey of, of dealing with our junk, dealing with our sin or our selfishness and stepping into the freedom Christ had for us. But no one ever conquered a significant life challenge without first possessing the hope to do so. No one ever conquered a significant life challenge without first possessing the life, the hope to do so. Hope creates options. It creates opportunity, new possibilities. Why do you think people look at the ground when they're feeling hopeless? Because there's nothing to look out for or look up for. That their, their world, Like a hopeless world is a shrinking world. It's where oh, there are no options. It gets smaller and smaller, but a hopeful world is a world where your, your head is up. There is an excited expectation for God to enter your world. You're full of hope. And for those who know Janelle Nye, she's an amazing woman here who really illustrates this. She, you, you very rarely see Janelle walk into a room with a head down because she lives with an expectancy for God to invade her situation. 
A hopeless world is a shrinking world, but a hopeful world is an ever-expanding one. And a question for you tonight is, is what do you relate more frequently to? Do you relate more frequently to a world that where one thing goes wrong, everything begins to shrink? Options begin to decrease. You begin to go into your own little world. Or are you one who often opens up, who gets filled with hope and models what it is to partner with heaven's hope? What do you relate more commonly to? Numbers chapter 13 illustrates uh, a really clear picture. It really paints a picture of what it looks like to partner with hope and what it looks like to not. And the illustration is of the Israelites who had been in Egypt and they'd left Egypt, they're, they're doing the Exodus thing and they're going to the promised land and they're nearly there and they're on the edge and uh, Moses sends 12 spies into the promised lands and they all go in and they see it is everything God had promised to them. And they came back, but 10 of them said, but, but they all said, yeah, it is what God said it is, but there are some big giants there. There are some big life problems there. And 10 of them said, we don't have a chance. Let's just go this other way. But there are two of them, Joshua and Caleb, who said, no, 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 like we can do this. Like we have this option. We can do this. But uh, the, the other 10, they said this phrase which really illustrated how hopeless their world was, how hopeless their world was, how, how shrinking their world was, how few options they had. It says, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look like the same to them. A hopeless world is a shrinking world in which everyone is so much bigger than you and you don't have any options. And I want to ask you the question, if you're looking at your situation right now, what, what do you see? Because... I want to propose to you there's no such thing as a hopeless situation, only hopeless people. That I want to propose there's no such thing as a hopeless situation, only hopeless people. And this, the, these 12 people, they looked at the same situation, and this happens many times in life. Heaps of people, they see the same situation, but people draw different conclusions. And the level of hope that you're walking in will determine that what you actually see, the options you possess. And my question, when you're looking at some of the life situations you're facing, your, your financial situations, maybe you want to buy a house, maybe you want to get a job, maybe you want to buy a car, maybe you want to be married. When you're looking at these situations, what do you see? Do you see options? Do you see possibilities? Do you see new options? Or is, is your world a shrinking world? Is it a small world? There's no situation more hopeless than the hope God has provided for it. So if you don't have options in your situation, then there is an invitation for you to partner with the hope of God. Um, if the worship band could come up, please. Hope gives you eyes to see and the desire to pursue the new scenario and the new situation. It gives you eyes to see and the desire to pursue the new situation. If you've always want to be, mar be married, but you've never been in a relationship, hope can give you the, the eyes to see and the desire to pursue the new possibility that someone can actually love you for you. That if you've always wanted to, to be connected in with a community, to be known, to be valued, but you've really struggled to even have a best friend once in your life, that hope can give you the eyes to see and the desire to pursue that new reality, that there can be a group of people that can know you and celebrate you for you. You so value being trusted, but you've made some mistakes in your life that makes it very difficult to be trusted in your community. 
Hope can give you the eyes to see and the desire to pursue. You feel like you've stuffed up your best friendship, your family, your career, your life. Hope is the door in which you step into the newness of God's promise over your life. I want, you, want to invite you tonight to, to, to ask yourself what it looks like to partner with the substance of hope, this reality of heaven, that your life can be an ever-expanding one that includes the realities of heaven and not just the fears of this earth. That, that your life, that you would understand the supernatural creative force that true biblical hope is, the ability to turn nothing into something. And there is no greater hope than the hope that is found in the salvation of Jesus Christ. That 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, If anyone is in him, they are a new creation. If anyone is in him, they are a new creation. There is nothing, there's no more definitive um, illustration of what hope can do for you than salvation, than new life, to, to create such a new option as to walk away from the old and into the new. And I just really want to give an opportunity before we close tonight, maybe if everyone's comfortable, to just close their eyes. That if, if you don't know what it is to be born again, that if you don't know what it is to know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, to know that hope that your salvation is secure, that your eternity is secure, that you don't know what it is to build your life on a loving Father that will never let you down, and tonight you want to start that relationship, then I'm just going to invite you to respond in this moment by raising your hand, and I'm just going to bless you and you can put it down. And so if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, but you say you do, you say you want to be in relationship with Him, you want to know this hope that gives you a new start, a new relationship with Him, I'm just going to ask you in this moment to raise your hand. I'm going to bless it and you can put it back down. We'll just give it one more moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The old is gone, the new has come. God bless you, I see the hand. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, we're just going to take a moment and we're just going to pray together with our friend because salvation isn't an individual thing. It's becoming a part of a family. It's becoming a part of a community. So if you're comfortable, we're just going to pray this out together and just follow me. Father God, Father God I, turn I turn from my ways and my old life and, my old life. and I turn to you. I acknowledge you as my Lord and Saviour and I choose to trust my life with you. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Make me new that I may know you, love you and do this life with you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Can we just celebrate that? So good. So good. And last of all, before I finish, uh, I'm just going to read a scripture over you guys and pray. Um, so I'd encourage everyone to close your eyes, but just to position your heart as, as you feel to receive. And I'm just going to pray. I'm going to read this scripture over you. And then I'm going to pray an impartation of hope and faith that, that God is actually going to shift the way you see things the way you see your world, the way you see your workplace, the way you see your friendships, the way you see your family, that the substance of hope would enter your heart, it would enter your life, and it would, it would shift things for you. So if you're comfortable, close your eyes. I'm just going to read 
Romans 15 verse 13 over you, which says, May the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, right now, I just release an impartation of hope into every person in this room, that they would feel that substance into their heart, into their mind, into their body, into their way, the way they perceive their world, that they would be known as a hopeful people. They would be known as a hope receiver and a hope giver, that then when they walk in the room, other people have options they didn't have before because hope just walked in the room. And I release that impartation right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit.